Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. I am sitting here recording this on the veranda of myself and Wilder's hotel room in Ubud. It is our last morning here. It is hot. It is humid. And I made a rookie error. I was like, let's go celebrate our last morning in Ubud together. So rather than going to the hotel restaurant like we've done every morning, we went into Ubud town and I took him to Clear Cafe, which has got these really cool like fish ponds. These freaking huge fish that are actually quite scary, I think. <laughs> you can buy fish food. So we fed the fish and he loved it. But as a result, we were half an hour past nap window. And um, yeah, I think I missed I missed the wave. We missed catching that wave for him to go have his nap. So I may need to come back to this episode later if baby boy decides that he's definitely not going to go to sleep. But I just wanted to record a little bit even out here because I'm hoping you can hear all the beautiful sounds, uh, the water. I'm looking at over rice paddies here. Hope you can hear the insects and the birds. So yes, I wanted to infuse this episode, at least part of it, with, with some Bali bliss here in the rice paddies. So I guess with this episode, I wanted to take you behind the scenes of this trip to Bali. So if you've listened or followed me for a while, you know that Bali is my happiest of all of the happy places. I absolutely adore it here. I feel the second I get off the plane here, my vibration just skyrockets. I feel very at peace here. I feel very free here. And I just feel like it's this space that I can just be, yeah, hear my, hear my soul whispers more. So yeah, I've actually really, really, really missed it for any of you fellow, fellow Bali lovers, or if there's a country that you love and you've been missing over the last few years during the whole COVID crazy, um, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Just that kind of soul pull almost to, to here. And, I really needed this trip because I was definitely, before I left, starting to really tip into that resentment land. Uh, I was doing all the things to, to, to fill my tank, you know, doing my miracle morning and doing my exercise and walking with friends and trying to get as much sleep as I could and all the things. But I feel like my tank had run down below a certain point that it needed like a deep, a deep recharge. And I talk in my Step Into You book about how we should try and live our lives from our interest rather than our capital. So the whole idea of that is that we, we, if we think about interest on our savings, if we think about our energies as a bank account, the interest on our savings, we, we spend it, but it comes back in. We spend it, then it comes back in. So the whole idea is that we want to be managing our energy like that, where there's whatever's going out is also coming back in again. It's constantly being replenished. And what can happen is when we, we don't have the kind of the deep recharge or we're not doing the things to fill our tanks or just the general outputs of our lives are, are far beyond what the inputs are. What happens is we start to crack into our, our capital. So into that lump sum. And then if we continue doing that, we, we gradually burn through all of our capital 
And, and that's, I don't know if you heard that, that was just a massive palm frond falling off a palm tree here beside me. And what happens then is that we, we, we gradually yet erode that capital on, and that's, that's when I believe women particularly get burnout because there's nothing, literally nothing left in the energy bank account. So I think where I was kind of getting to while I was kind of getting ready to come away on this trip was, was definitely eating into that, that capital. I was definitely operating out of my capital in terms of energy management as I was coming away. And I just felt like I was on a hamster wheel. Um, Bull Darling was such an awesomely exciting month. I talked about that in, in, in last week's episode. And then there was a huge amount of mentoring in April, which is, you know, I absolutely love it. And that's the thing. I'm so high functioning. <laughs> Even when I'm tired myself with my mentees, I can just access this place. It's, it's really amazing. Um, but then what happens is once I'm, you know, I'm finished with work, then I kind of fall, fall in a heap. Um, not in a literally in, a, in an energetic heap. And that's where I was running for April. Um, the start of May was really, really full on as well. Wade was away for, a few chunks of that as well. So I was doing the solo parenting thing. So, so yeah, I was just tired. I was in my cracking into my, my capital of my interest and just needed, needed a deep recharge. And back in March, I think when we were kind of starting to go, okay, we can actually start to think about traveling again. And I think also because I'd had COVID, <laughs> I felt a bit, uh, a bit, bit bulletproof, I guess. And I looked at my calendar and I could see in May, there was a couple of weeks where I didn't have, I only had one intensive mentoring session, which is where I do like a three hour block with someone. Uh, it was between launches. So I'm opening the doors for Bull Darling again in June. So there was just a really nice window of maybe three weeks where I could quite easily batch my work into a couple of days a week and, and, and work remotely from, from Bali and have some, have some downtime. So yeah, I called it. It was on. So the plan of this has been to be in Ubud. So myself and Wilder, this is our 10th day in Ubud. So it's just, just myself and him. And then tonight, Lexi and Wilder arrive, sorry, Lexi and Wade arrive and we are moving to Jimboran Bay. We're doing the full family hotel, which we've never done before. The kids club. <laughs> All of the things. I'm really, really excited for that. So yeah, it felt like a really nice window at this point to record this episode because I feel like the last 10 days has been very much about me, you know, putting down the load, slowing down, doing some really deep healing, some really deep thinking, and, and obviously having to, having to time with Wilder as well. So yeah, I thought it was a really nice kind of segue, not a segue, but a punctuation point, I guess, to, to record this episode for you today. And and I think the big thing coming away again has reminded me of is, is the power of retreats, you know, that when we are well well and truly hitting into that capital interest, uh, sorry, that capital of their energy management, it's really, um, yeah, the restorative and just that, that the ability that a retreat has to just fully reset you and, and reconnect you back in with yourself first and foremost, um, with your vision, where you're going, your plan, all of the things. And it's quite an exciting time to be here because I just opened doors to the first ever Bold Darling Retreat yesterday. So that's been, yeah, such a beautiful thing to create because it's like all the best bits of the retreats that I know and love. Uh, I even went shopping a couple of days ago in Ubud to get my favorite incense from here, to get my favorite ceremonial cacao from here. It's, yeah, I'm going to infuse 
this retreat in October with all, all of the bits that I just love about, about going on retreat. So I've got my beautiful friend, Clara Bede, who's coming to do the miracle mornings with us. She'll be with us for the whole retreat. I'm hosting five half day workshops and I'm, I'm really taking the group on almost like a guided, uh, flowing experience. So the first half is very much about that yin, dropping into that feminine energy, reconnecting with ourselves, finding that flow again. And then the second half of the, the, the retreat is more that yang masculine energy where we start to plan and, and create, recraft our visions from that beautiful feminine space. So I'm really, really excited to, to create that journey for the group. It's a five day, four night retreat. It's happening in the Noosa hinterland at Amara retreat, which I actually hosted a retreat there early last year and it was absolutely beautiful. So yeah, it feels quite nice to be kind of finishing up my own kind of personal retreat and then to be to be inviting women onto that experience in October as well. So I'll pop the the link to their retreat in the show notes as well. So in terms of my intentions for this trip, I always like to set my intentions as I, as I embark on any kind of retreat or thinking day or anything like that. And my intentions for this were to have really, really deep rest, you know, going back to that idea that I felt like I was really hitting into that interest, into that capital. The interest was gone. It was into the capital of my energy management, my energy management bank account. Uh, the other thing was to have some really special time with Wilder. So if you're not aware, I took Lexi away to Bali for eight weeks when she was eight months old. We did a little kind of delayed maternity leave, her and I, and Wade came and visited halfway through. My mom and sister came over for a couple of weeks of, as well. So it just felt like a really nice, almost like a tradition that I wanted to maintain with Wilder to have 10 days away, just, just him and I as well. And the other intention was to do the really deep healing. You know, obviously I do my kinesiology, I do my kind of bits and pieces back in Australia, but there's something about coming away from home, you know, whether it's interstate or it's overseas or three suburbs down the road, just to really um, give yourself the space to do that healing, which which is what this, this trip has really been for me as well. Um, in terms of logistics, so we flew with Jetstar. It was Wilder's first flight, which is just so crazy because Lexi was on a plane at five and a half weeks old. <laughs> Which is just so, it was, I mean, looking back, I'm like, what were we doing? But actually, I actually think that newborn early, early, you know, before they start solids, I actually think that's the easiest time to travel with kids because they just sleep and wee and poo and, and feed. That's basically all they do. So, uh, yeah, it just, it just, myself and Wade just marvel at the difference of each of our babies' experiences coming into the world. You know, Lexi hoofing it around. God, what we took her to Dublin, we took her to London, we took her to Italy uh, over an eight-week trip, and Wilder hadn't left Australia. Had he left? He hadn't left New South Wales. Holy shit, he had never left New South Wales. Uh, yeah, hadn't left Australia, and he's you know ten years, ten months old, which is just cray. So um, yeah, um, and then I'm just thinking, well, I just segue. No, I'll talk about traveling with baby because a lot of people want me to talk about traveling with baby. So I've actually got a little a little segment towards the end on that. So, so yeah, we flew Jetstar and I am virgin till I die, but virgin aren't actually flying to Bali until June, which I was devastated about. So um, yeah, flew, flew Jetstar and yeah, it was fine. It was fine. In terms of a few people asked about entry requirements. So in order to come into Bali, uh, you need to be vaxxed or have an exemption. And we also needed to do PCR tests 48 hours within 48 hours of our departure. As of, I think actually just as of today, that's been scrapped just in time because Wade and Lexi went and got all theirs before she went to school on Thursday morning. So I think the PR, PCR test now has been scrapped. And um, and then the other thing we needed to show at the airport as well was travel insurance. So 
Bali requires, I think it's $20,000 minimum medical cover on your travel insurance. So I needed to, I just got us the four of us, um, annual travel insurance because we're, we're traveling again, um, this year. And with our policy, we have unlimited medical insurance. So I just printed out the certificate of insurance and, and showed that as we, as we checked in at, at the airport. And, and then in terms of coming into Bali, yeah, all our paperwork was checked again. Um, was no, no dramas. The airport was actually super organized. If you've flown into Nigara Ray, I think it's called Bali airport, it can be pretty hectic. Like I've queued for hours there before to, to get out of, you know, into depart, into arrivals and all that. And it was super efficient. Um, I had Wilder on me on the ergo, in the ergo and they kind of ushered me through the fast track. Queue. So yeah, we were done in the airport within 30 minutes, I think, including getting our bags. It was super efficient. And I have to say, I was worried about that because we were landing. It's a later flight than I used to catch with, with Virgin. So we didn't land until just after 9 p.m. And I was kind of going, Oh God, it's like an hour and a half to the hotel from the airport. But yeah, we were, we were well on our way by 10 o'clock in the evening. It was, it was really, really good. Um, and then a few people asked about masks. So yes, you are asked to wear masks. Um, all the local Balinese wear them. Um, I have to say the Westerners, including me, to be honest, because I'm so not used to wearing them anymore. Um, I find Westerners don't really wear them from, from what I've seen. I kind of have to remind myself to put them on going into shops and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I haven't been stopped and asked to put on a mask. Um, it's more just like out of, out of, out of respect for the locals to, to put one on when, when I go into stores. Um, so yeah, that was it around kind of the post COVID. And I do just want to, the, the kind of COVID restrictions. I did just want to address, you know, quite a few people asked me, you know, what's the vibe like over there? Is it very quiet? You know, how are the people? So, I mean, the, the, the stats vary. Anything from you will hear 60% of, the Balinese economy up to 90%, I've heard, is dependent on international tourism. So as you can imagine, it's been a really, really tough. It's actually been well over two and a half years for them. Because if you remember, in Australia, if you're listening in Australia, you know, all the crazy hit us around kind of, I remember the 1st of March, I landed back from a retreat in Byron, I was hosting a retreat in Byron. And I remember landing back on Sunday, the 1st of March, and it felt like everything was different. And, and it was like, that was the week, as my friend Jules put it, that's the week the music stopped, it felt. Um, but if you think about it, you know, Asia was experiencing COVID well before we did. So Bali actually started experiencing lockdowns in early November 2019. So they've actually had, you know, probably what, four or five months, even more than what, than what we were experiencing in Australia have, have had. So, um, it's been a really, really tough two and a half years for them. So a lot of them have sent their families away, um, to stay with relatives in the country. Um, you know, talking to particularly the hotel staff, because I know quite a few of them from being here quite a few times. They've, they've shared with me what, what, you know, what, what happened. Um, they struggle to feed their families. You know, I'm talking to people who've got incredible English who are, you know, considered very middle class in Bali because they work in the tourism industry and, and work in, in, the, in, in the, the hotel. And, yeah, talking to moms of four kids who didn't know how they're going to feed their families, you know, and, and, and the whole family is dependent on tourism. Often the, the mom is either a nanny or she works in a hotel and, and the dad is generally a driver or he's working in the industry somewhere else as well. So, uh, they lived on rice and they grew vegetables in their back gardens. And, and also, I mean, the poor kids, they were homeschooled for two and a half years, you know, online learning because they started the lockdowns in November. They kind of came back then, sorry, November 2019. Things started to come back to normal around uh, October, November 2021, so last year. 
And then Omicron hit, I still can't say it, Omicron hit, and they went back to, to remote learning again. So the kids here have had an awful time, like an absolutely awful time. Um, and then how, if you, if you're not familiar with how the Balinese generally live, they will live in family compounds called campangs. And I'm hoping I'm saying that right. So they will generally live in like, uh, compounds of 40 to 50 people. And it's generally around the, the husband's family. So a, a woman will go live with her husband's family and, and kind of his, his extended family. And so, I mean, the, 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 the blessing for most people from what, and again, this is from what I understand from talking to a lot of Alanese when I've been here is that, uh, they don't pay rent necessarily. So once they can kind of manage for food and, and obviously they need to pay for school as well. Um, then, you know, that's, that's, that's one blessing is that they do live in these group, this, these family settings. Um, but I know that suicide has been huge, uh, which is really painful, obviously, to talk about because you come here and it's, you know, it's so happy. And so this hasn't been openly talked about. I need to be clear about that. It hasn't been, you know, a strumming of the violin strings. And it's more been you know, a couple of people that I, I've known for quite a few years who shared that with me. So, yeah, it's been it's been incredibly difficult. Um, but I never get a sense being here in Bali of people being, you know, angry or desperate or they're just freaking grateful to, to have tourism here again. They just said, you know, it's coming back to normal. It's coming back to normal. And, and the hotel where I'm staying, it's it's quiet. You know, this was a, a very busy hotel. I've stayed here. <laughs> this is my fourth time staying here. And generally there's a big breakfast buffet, you know, you can go up and down and serve yourself. Um, but now it's been very much a la carte, like a very much stripped down menu. And it's, yeah, you just kind of order exactly what you want, of course, because there'd be, there's just, there's, there's not enough to justify having, um, the full buffet going and just a couple of like the little perks that I really liked about the hotel. Like they used to have bottled water. So you could just, as in those big 15 liter bottles of water. And I really loved it because I felt like I didn't use as much plastic when I stayed at this hotel, but that's gone. Now you need to buy your water. So little things like that, you know, you can see that the difference in the, in the customer experience, it's still beautiful and still incredible, but, um, it's, it's been a hard few years. So in terms of how I'm navigating that, I'm just tipping like a mofo. And uh, I'm not usually super on it with tipping in Bali, uh, just because I just don't think about it. But this time I've been absolutely fastidious about tipping and, and tipping generously as well. And I've only been to the markets once. I bought a couple of little dresses for Lexi, um, but I didn't haggle. I just accepted the price. And, you know, these people are trying to make up for two and a half years of lost income. So, um, so yeah, I did, I did want to address that. It's been very, very challenging. Um, and we have no concept, you know, I got here and, and I spoke to one of the ladies who I knew from the, the hotel restaurant and I said, you know, how have you been? And she said, ah, oh, she just said, it's, it's been a sad story. And she welled up with tears and, oh, she's got two kids, you know, my heart just went out to her. So just get over here, friends, <laughs> please come support the people here. They'd be so grateful to see you. And, um, and I'm hoping that by me being on Instagram and sharing and talking about it, that hopefully you, you feel safe coming and you'll be very welcome for sure, if, if you do come. Uh, so we stayed in the Greenfield Hotel in Ubud, which is just across the road from my <laughs> my Mecca in Ubud, which is the Yoga Barn, which is this incredible uh, complex. It's just beautiful. It's got a restaurant. It's got so much yoga, sound healing. It's got a whole wellness center. It's got a like a like a spa center, which I don't, I don't really tend to go there, but that's kind of the hub of, of most of my wellness while I'm here. I don't know if you can hear baby boy talking. I think I may need to finish this episode later in our new hotel. I'll keep going until he gets cranky. Um, 
So, yes, so we're staying at the Greenfield Hotel. It's a really nice three-star hotel, uh, and I just love it. I stayed here for five weeks when I was here with Lexi. I just love the staff, and it's it's pretty cool because the the ladies at breakfast, um, I, I get a couple of their numbers, and what I can do then is because I'm here on my own, and I was here on my own with Lexi as well, is I can tee them up. So once Wilder goes down at like 6.37, I've booked one of the restaurant ladies to come and, and babysit. So it just means I can go out and go for a wander, do a sound healing, go do a nighttime yoga class or just go have dinner just so I'm not sitting sitting in the hotel every night. Um, and he's the world's lightest sleeper. So um, yeah, it doesn't really work well, him and I being in the room together. So that, that's been really, really cool as well. And and then I managed to get Asti back. So Asti was myself and Lexi's nanny for eight weeks while we we're here. She is beautiful. I call her the baby whisperer. Whisper, uh, one of her families, one of her Aussie families that she looked after their baby. They actually put like a photo of Asti in their baby's cot when they got back to Australia to, to keep them happy. <laughs> so, and instantly I was a bit nervous about leaving Wilder with her because like he's kind of had a, a closed, a smaller um, exposure to people than Lexi has. And within five, not even five minutes, about, about two minutes, she was like clucking and clacking and he was just loving her. So yeah, it's really, really sweet when she arrives in the morning on the day she's here. Just he's so happy to see her. Like he's so well cared for and she's super responsive on WhatsApp. Um, she's been absolutely, absolutely amazing. So I think in terms of the first few days, I, I learned a really big lesson. I think it was kind of day three and I had an afternoon free. Uh, because I, yeah, I'd been with Wilder in the morning. We had a slow morning together and Asti arrived at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and I'd just given him lunch and she was going to hang with him and put him down for his nap for the afternoon. And I kind of had a loose plan of going and do maybe a sound healing or a yoga class. And, and when I checked the yoga band schedule, for whatever reason on the Friday, there was nothing that I kind of was appropriate or suitable or that I wanted to go to. So I was like, okay, I'll just head into a cafe. And I went into a cafe and then I kept working from my phone. And then I said, okay, I'll go get my Indonesian SIM. I always like to have a SIM when I'm here, uh, just to be always available for, for Wilder. Not so much if I'm here on my own, but if I'm here with the baby. Uh, so I always get like a Bali SIM. So I went and got that sorted and then that wasn't working properly. So I had to come back again and sort that out again. And I kind of half-heartedly did some shopping, but you know, it was those days where you just feel hot and gross and just nothing feels or looks nice on you. So I was just shitty. And I was like, Lorraine, for God's sake, you're here in Bali. Like you've been living for this day for like two years to have some time in Bali to yourself. And like, what are you doing? So that evening I was talking to Wade on the phone while I was having dinner and he was like, are you enjoying it? And I was like, look, babe, actually I'm just, I'm not like, I feel like I'm just all over the place. I'm, I've got three massive priorities. I've got, you know, trying to do this like deep healing and building back up my interest in my energy bank account. And I've also got having this beautiful kind of baby moon time with Wilder. And then I've also got like, work like I actually had still even though the work was batched I still had quite a bit of work to do and I said you know I I feel like I've got I had this window of time this afternoon where I could have gone and had an awesome time and I just didn't have a plan and I was like just as I was talking to him I was like you just need to plan this like that's all you need to do and I actually wrote a Monday mentor about it you know that whole idea again of that discipline equals freedom so when we find the discipline to put the structure in place, almost like, you know, that masculine versus feminine energy, the masculine energy of the, the diarizing, the making the bookings, the getting your shit together means that when you do have those containers or those spaces of, of time to relax, that you can actually relax. So that was a massive realization as I was talking to him that evening. So that night I spent an hour and a half just planning. I sat down with my, my little remarkable notebook, which I am loving, by the way. <laughs> I've got so many people on the case with these remarkables. It's gold. And 
I just sketched out every day for the following week, um, right down to like pretty much the half hour. And I said, okay, and this is what I do, right? I'm like, okay, I should go do a span next Thursday. And then I'm just busy working or doing something with the kids or whatever. And, and I don't book anything. And then it gets to Thursday. And of course, there's no availability. Like, I feel like I'm so organized and structured in so many ways in my life. But actually that recreation and that tank filling time, I'm not, I'm not on the case with it's, it's not an organizational priority, if that makes sense. So I just sat there and I said, okay, Lauren, what would you like to do? I got out the yoga bind schedule, planned in my yoga classes, the sound healings, the, the workshops I wanted to do. I had some time on Wednesday. So I said, okay, well, that, let's make that a really healing day because also, the Bali Spirit Festival started here yesterday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's, there's no classes at Yoga Barn. It's pretty much closed down for the festival. So I said, okay, well, that's going to be your last day at Yoga Barn. Let's get organized. And, and that just meant then. And the great thing about businesses in Bali is that most of them are on WhatsApp. So you can just WhatsApp the spa. Um, I WhatsApped the, the Yoga Barn Wellness Center. I think it's called Kush said, these are, this is what I want to do on these days. And I also WhatsApped, I Googled the best spa in, in Ubud. And cause I kind of go to the, like, I don't say the lowest of the low, but like, you know, kind of the, 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 the low to mid range places just for kind of a casual massage or whatever. And I said, I just want to create one awesome experience, like a really beautiful spa experience. Um, my friend Naomi, who's the founder of Iku is like the queen of spas. <laughs> She's like a global spa trotter, if that's a thing. And, and I said, I want to do something Naomi would do. And I found this spa called the Maya. It's actually a resort and a hotel called Maya. And their, their spa looked incredible. And I WhatsApped them that night. They messaged me back the next day saying, sorry, we're booked out on Thursday. And I said, okay, no problem. And they said, actually, like an hour later, we've got some availability. So I was able to book in for all the treatments. I booked myself in for three hours there. So, it was just so good because then I was able to message Asti and say, Hey, Asti, like these are the hours for the next week that I'd like you. I was able to message Putu, who's one of the ladies in the, the restaurant to say, Hey, these are the evenings. I'd love for you to come over when Wilder's down for an hour or two. And I just got my shit together. And it just meant that I woke up the next morning with a plan and with those built in containers. I'm hoping this makes sense to you. When I sent out this month, I did a Monday mentor about this whole discipline equals freedom concept. And I got quite a few messages back from people going, Oh my God, this is me. I get it. I totally get it. So I think you will get it <laughs> if you, if you, if, if, if you've experienced this. So yeah, everything just switched gears on Saturday morning. I was so excited to kind of do everything. I had so much to look forward to. Everything was organized. I didn't have to be chasing my tail each day trying to make a plan. So, so yeah, I'm at the end of that plan now today. So I want to sit down now this afternoon and map out. Um, <laughs> I, of course, just want to design the whole itinerary for when the four of us are here together for the next week. But um, I said to Wade, do you want input? And he said, yes. I was like, shit. <laughs> Damn it. I, I, don't want, I don't want itinerary by consensus. I just made to plan this how I want to plan it. But I'll do some loose planning just so Asti can kind of plan her week um, as well. And I want to book in a driver, Lexi. All Lexi wants to do when she gets to Bali, two things she wants to do. She wants to see a volcano. She's obsessed with seeing a real-life volcano. And she wants to collect Bali flowers. So, so we call the Frangipani flowers, Bali flowers. And I've been talking to her since she was like, yay high about how we used to pick Bali flowers together. And I used to put them in behind her ear when she was a tiny baby in Bali. So they're, they're the two things she wants to do. So yeah, there's, I, I want to book a driver in for a day, probably do that on Monday. 
and booking a driver. We'll have Asti with Wilder so me, Wade and Lexi can kind of go, go, go off adventuring. And, and I want to take her back to the hotel, to the Greenfield Hotel so she can see where she stayed when she was so tiny. And her and Wade went shopping at Kmart last weekend to buy lots of kind of school supplies and art supplies for, for the, the hotel staff's kids. So yeah, I want her to kind of hand that over herself so she can experience. She went and picked all the stuff. I want her to own, own that experience. And, so yes, anyway, I want to, I want to do that for the next week. And, and I really just want that to be a massive takeout for you, hopefully from this episode is to, you know, plan in this time, whether it's a retreat or whether it's, you know, an overnight or if it's just next Saturday afternoon, you've got some time to yourself, like make the plan now. Like don't make that the bottom priority to, to, to make that book in that recreation time or that recharge time for you. Discipline equals freedom. So I think the biggest thing that I've experienced in the last 10 days is just that ease of putting the load down for a few days. And what I mean by the load is that just the fecking adulting, you know, when, when, and not even the business, I actually think like the business I find, um, I'm just in my zone with that. And, you know, and I think quite a few of you will probably, um, identify with this. Like when I have a day just to get my head down and work, uh, that's, that's kind of me time. <laughs> which sounds sad, but, you know, just being in that zone and getting to just be fully in business zone, whether it's mentoring or it's creating a launch or sitting here and doing this podcast episode, like I'm, I'm very happy here right now. There's not, there's nothing else that I would rather be doing than doing this episode for you right now. So, so I think just the ease of putting down the home stuff, you know, the laundry, the checking is everything's dry and mealtimes, you know, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes, something that come up with what in one of my healer sessions, but you know, Wade's chatting to me over dinner. Um, one of us is trying to feed Wilder, trying to encourage Lexi to get her dinner. And, you know, it's, uh, then it's the, the clean up. It's the, is lunchbox ready for Lexi tomorrow? Is, you know, has Wilder got food organized for tomorrow? Um, have I left milk for him tomorrow? Laundry, <laughs> more laundry. You know, it's just, it's just a lot. And, and as I said at the start of this episode, I just felt like I was kind of on that hamster wheel. And, you know, Wade feels it too. Like we, we, we both feel it. So just having the opportunity, I think somewhere like Bali just really gives you that opportunity because that support is so accessible over here. You know, the nanny support, the, the laundry. I've been dropping off a load of laundry every second day. I mean, it's not a full load, but it's just staying on top of it. You know, just a, a small kind of, plastic kind of size shopping bag, like a Coles or Woolies shopping bag size, just to stay on top of it. And then I pick it up the next day or even that night and all our washing is done for like three or four dollars. You know, it's just freaking easy. Life is easy here in a way that it's not at home. And so I think the laundry and, and then just food, you know, I haven't cooked a meal. Uh, I found this awesome app called Gojek, which basically delivers from all my favorite healthy restaurants in Ubud. So I've been getting food delivered, like really healthy food for like what my takeaways are like $8 maybe for like a super healthy meal. So yeah, just putting that load down. I just feel like, you know, whether you've got kids or not, I just think it, it should be prescribed for every single woman to be able to put that load down for a week a year or even a weekend every, every year, just some time that you actually get to put your load down. And I think that's why I, I love doing my retreats because I get to facilitate that, that experience for women to put their load down. And, and it's important. It's really, really, really important. So in terms of the healing that I did, so when I did kind of a, a request for, for questions about this Bali trip, the healing came through a lot. And, and, you know, the healing is something that 
I don't feel like I can access back in, in, in Sydney, not to the extent that I do it here to be a way to, to have that container for that healing and, and just the access in person to the healers that I love over here. So, um, I pretty much went back to all my faves. I did one, one new healing experience. And um, so my first healing stop was actually my first, the, the, the day after we arrived. And I went to see Tajong, who is a local Balinese healer. She's quite psychic. She does a lot of body work, energy work. Um, so I did a 90 minute session with her. So I went and sat and talked about life and where I feel my current challenges are. And. And she's, yeah, she's just psychic AF. So I would say, this is a problem. And she's like, well, this is why you're having this problem. And I go, oh my God, of course. And, you know, just as a follow on from what I was just saying about feeling that sense of the hamster wheel with all the home responsibilities. And, and she said, you know, what's happening for you right now is that home and your home and your family feels like work. You're seeing it as a job. And, and she said, what it should be is, is love. And that's, that's the kind of piece that you're missing right now. And that was a really, really big, drop in for me to go, fuck, that is what it is. I'm seeing it as a to-do list every day rather than the beauty of the, you know, I get to do this, you know, and, and to be with these incredible people that I get to call my, my husband and my family. So that was really, really big for me. And it's something that I've really been processing, I think, since, since, since that kind of realization came up. So that was just one kind of takeout. That was probably the biggest, but there was a lot more takeouts from that kind of conversation with her initially. And, and then I lay down on the bed and, and she sat at my head. And the second she put her fingers on my head, she just started belching like these incredibly loud, body shaking <laughs> belches. And, and what that is, is it's her, uh, extracting, I guess, all, all the heavy negative limiting energy that, that I've, I'd been carrying around. So that went on for a while. She kind of got rid of all that energy and then she worked right down, down through my body. And, and then working on my feet, then she, she, she puts the positive energy back in. Um, so yeah, I felt incredible. I actually felt exhausted after that session. It felt really, really big. And, but then really light and just felt like I got some answers that I had come for as well, which, which, which I was really, really grateful for. So that was my, my first healing session. Then my second was with Jimmy. So I went to see Jimmy. So I did a podcast interview with Jimmy Doyle. I'll link to it in the show notes as well. And so Jimmy, God, my friend Neil got me onto Jimmy about, Jesus, five, six years ago, maybe now before Lexi. And, and I've seen him every single time I've come to Bali. Uh, when I hosted a retreat in Bali in 2018, um, Jimmy came to the villa and saw each of my, my guests as well and cared for them. And they, they loved him as well. I have sent, oh God, I would say about 50 people to Jimmy, my mom, my sister, my friends, <laughs> my mentees, my community. Wade went to see him as well. And he's, yeah, he, he works with Louise Hayes philosophy. So if you haven't come across Louise Hayes, she is, an American um, healer who passed away a couple of years ago. She's also the founder of Hay House. Uh, a lot of the kind of big self-help authors publish through through her publishing company. And basically, she says that each every symptom or every pain, whether it's you know physical or mental that we're experiencing, is related back to some kind of a limiting or blocking belief or emotion that that we're holding on to. So what Jimmy does, it's it's almost like a magnet. <laughs> His hands are like magnets. He finds all those little spots and then he explains to you like, this is why you're feeling like this. And then he shares an affirmation, which you say alongside him. And it's just amazing. You know, he will press my left shoulder is, is generally a, a challenge for me and my, my ankles as well. 
and he will press, for example, on my left shoulder and it will be excruciating. Like he somehow finds that little nib that is so painful. And then I'll start to say the affirmation. And the more I say it, the pain just drops away. So I feel like he stopped putting pressure on that area, but he's actually pressing really hard. But I, I'm releasing the pain myself because I'm changing my mind. And then that's influencing how my body is feeling. So it was really special to see him. He opened the door to his villa and I actually felt really emotional. I was like, I didn't think I'd see you again. And he's like, why? Why are you saying that? And I just said, because I feel like, you know, we've been kind of in this prison for the last two and a half years in Australia. And he's like, everywhere's been like a prison. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting the things that we kind of, uh, we're getting back to doing that we, we so took for granted in the past, you know. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty huge. And um, so that was Jimmy. And then I went to see Nirmoa, who is an Australian woman who practices um, de-armoring. So I talked about this in a previous podcast episode. I didn't talk about this on Insta stories because I've got, you know, family members and my dad watches <laughs> my Insta stories. And um, so de-armoring, uh, I think, should be prescribed to every single woman. It is the most transformational healing it has the potential to be such an incredibly transformational healing experience. So I first had treatments with Nirmoa back in uh, 2000. Back when did I see her? September 2019. So when Lexi was, uh, Jace, what was she then? Two and a half. I came over to Bali for a week. I was not in a good place. Uh, we had just come off the back of our second miscarriage. Uh, I was very, very, very lost. And I had just started um, antidepressants. So the day after my book launch for Baby You're Remarkable, I started antidepressants. And I'd been on them about two weeks when I came to Bali. And I came to, to heal myself from, from everything that had happened. And and I worked with Nermoa. So I had three separate sessions with Nermoa. And if you haven't come across the armoring before, I first learned about it in Melissa Ambrosini's book, Open Wide. And what it means... I'm trying to like give you the kind of the elevator pitch on this, not the pitch, but the one-on-one. What it means is that as women, we store so much trauma and so much emotion in our our genital area. So whether it's you know the the, the area around us or, or um, you know our vulva in our vagina, our G-spot cervix, like this 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 stuff stored there for every woman. And, and what the armoring does is in a nutshell, it's, it's intimate massage and energy work where, um, Nirmoa or a practitioner like her will actually find those kind of tender spots and will, will, will release the energy with, with massage and, and with energy healing. So I saw her, um, back then in 2019 and I needed three sessions because I had a lot of stuff. I had, um, Precancerous cells on my cervix when I was, I think, 22. I had like laser to, to deal with that. Um, I had like an invasive uh, day procedure when we weren't getting pregnant with Lexi. Didn't realize from that procedure, I actually had endometriosis. Our specialist only kind of went in and found that when he went in there. And, and then I had an episiotomy with Lexi's birth, which I didn't, I really didn't want to have. And we had aimed for like a completely intervention free home birth and we needed to transfer to the hospital. Anyway, I've talked about all, about all this in a previous episode, which I'll, I'll link to in the show notes as well. But, um, yeah, it was a very, very intense experience. I had a lot of pain during that experience as in Nimrod discovered pain, which she released. So I was really keen to go back again, given, you know, I birthed another big baby <laughs> since I saw her last. So I went back and had another treatment with her. I think I was with her for two hours last week. And interestingly, 
the tender spots this time weren't inside me. It was more on the outside and it was like my pubic bone. So I, and I'm sorry if this is TMI, I, I love this kind of detail. So I'm hoping this is okay for, for those of you listening. And I have noticed since I gave birth to Wilder that my pubic bone has been quite tender, more so when, um, if you're familiar with the, with the bow, B-O-W pose in, in yoga, where you, it's a back bend, where you're on your belly, your arms are back, your, your knees are bent up, and you're kind of like gripping your ankles and you're kind of rocking on your belly and pubic bone. I have not been able to do that pose since I gave birth to Wilder. And, you know, I've had Cairo, I had all the women's physio, but it never kind of hit on this issue that I'm having and kind of didn't really talk about it because I was like, oh, I figure everything would just go back to normal. My pelvis will knit back together or whatever's going on. Um, but when I see her Namoa, as soon as she started kind of touching that area, um, even like my lower stomach, it was so painful. She said, it's almost like it's, um, she said, it's so tender. It's almost like bruising. So she did a huge amount of releasing work just on the outside on my pubic bone. And it was interesting when I was experiencing her working and you know, shifting that energy, I was right back there in the pool giving birth to Wilder again. So I birthed him, um, again, apologies, this is this TMI, um, on all fours with my two hands kind of on the side of the pool. So when he came out and, you know, Wilder had a very big head, he was born at four, he's 4.3 kilos born. So nine and a half pounds for the kind of non-Aussies. And his head was in the 99th percentile. He had a freaking huge head. And I remember when I was birthing him, you know, just at that point where he was coming out and this pressure on my pubic bone. And I, I just didn't remember. I birthed Lexi on my back. I was just like, oh my God. And our second midwife looked at me. She saw me and I think she knew what was going on. And she's like, it's okay. It's just a big feeling. It's just a big feeling. It'll pass. It'll pass. And whoa, it was intense. And, and then he was birthed, you know, his, his head came out at that point. And then I, he fully came out in the next contraction, next push. Um, but when Nemo was working on that area, like I was back there, you know, I was in the pool feeling that kind of searing, intense, intense sensation again. So yeah, that was really big. And every time she she found one of those spots, you know, as she moved through the, the treatment, when the pain the pain and that intensity released, that energy released, I just felt this incredible sense of like deep rooted peace, like just intense peace. Um, like this floatiness, like something had been shifted that 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 I had been holding on to that I didn't even realize I was holding on to. So yeah, that, that dearming session was, was really, really big, incredibly healing. And, you know, one of my big intentions, as I think I've mentioned in this episode already, was to really access that deep feminine energy and, and access my ability to have, you know, pleasure and enjoy my feminine energy again, which I felt like was lacking, um, since Wilder was born. And when I was leaving Nirmoa, you know, she said, you know, I, I think you'll really notice a difference with your pleasure and your ability. Uh, she didn't say this, but what I've experienced is my ability to feel pleasure and just to feel love, you know, to feel it's like a direct hotline to my heart now, how I feel post that session. And, and she said, you know, <laughs> you think about it, you know, you had all that armor on a very intimate part of your body. You know, once you release all that armor, you're, you're so much more open to life. And, and that's really what I've, I've experienced. So yeah, that was, that was a huge healing session. And then the other healing that I had was Watsu. So I had never heard of this before. It's healing in the water. And again, you've heard me probably talk about accessing our feminine energy and, and, and how water is a really great way to access that feminine energy. So when I was sitting in, you know, on my bed in the hotel room that night, planning out my following week, 
I saw this on the list of treatments at Yoga Barn and I was immediately like, yeah, that's what I need. And that's what I want. So what's so healing? So I went um, to a heated pool. So it's like if you have kids and you've brought them to swimming lessons, you see all those little warm bath-like pools that they get to go in. I'm like, I'm so jealous. Why aren't all swimming pools like this? So it's a warm pool. And I got into the water with Annika, who is my, my therapist. And she explained what was going to happen. So she put a little clip on my nose. We practiced me going underwater. So she would tap on my shoulder twice. That was my cue to hold my breath and, and let myself go underwater. And and then it, the treatment started. So she put some weights on my my um, my upper th- my thighs. So if you've experienced doing yoga or sorry Pilates with weights on your your ankles, it's kind of the same, but it's the opposite impact. It's not to weigh you down; it's to help you float. So it just means that you float. So she would hold me like at my neck and just guide me around the pool, like this beautiful swishing, calming motions. It was really profound to be held. One of my friends and I have talked about this, you know, almost like the craving to be held by a woman and not in a sexual way, but just in a, to have space physically held for you by another woman. And, and it was that, you know, that lying there, fully falling back, fully trusting, you know, she didn't let me go underwater once without it being intentional. And just to be guided by someone else through water was, I don't feel like I can explain it adequately with words. It was really, really amazing. And and then uh, once we were kind of a little bit into the treatment, then she put the little clip on my nose and then she would bring me underwater. So I felt like a mermaid. You know, she would bring pull me down under the water. I would hold my breath and she would swirl me around the water. And and it felt like, uh, it, it, it kind of felt like this womb-like experience being swished around in water but then it felt like this this rebirth that's how I felt at the end like when we came up for air afterwards and we were talking in the water myself and Annika it it felt like a rebirth and and I messaged my friend saying oh my god I just had this amazing experience and she was like oh my god I've had that before and and she said it's like a rebirth and I was like yeah that's exactly what it is so again just accessing that really deep feminine energy it it was really really incredible so that was Watsu water healing if you can do it um Annika was telling me that her partner uh, goes to the Golden Door in Hunter Valley and practices for like a month at a time, offering that kind of healing. But yeah, if you have the opportunity to do that, please do it. It's 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 really really, yeah. I feel like I say amazing and incredible a lot, but it, it was incredible and amazing. <laughs> and the other healing that I did was colonics, so not so much healing, but 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 therapies. So I had two colonics just to really clear all the stuff out, and and again, just that whole idea of water, you know, that hydrotherapy of washing through my body. Um, yeah, again, just felt really releasing, really cleansing. And the great thing about colonics, I, I don't know if, if you're not familiar with them, they're incredibly hydrating. So the therapist was telling me that in a, they use about a liter of water per minute in, in a, a colonic treatment. And if we think about it, like a treatment's about 45 minutes, that's 450 liters of water that is washed through your, your intestines. And all, you know, so much of that water is absorbed. And I really find after I have colonics, like I pee a lot. And it's just because I'm so hydrated. So I actually did colonics before our wedding. I went crazy on them. And I was just like bursting with hydration <laughs> in our wedding photos. And the other thing I did as well is a shamanic breathwork. So I've done, I thought I'd done breathwork before. I was like, yeah, I've done breathwork. But it was more like pranayama, you know, box breathing, that kind of thing. And this was totally different. So it was a two-hour workshop at Yoga Barn. Lay down. Uh, so we were taught the breath, then we lay down and it was called connected breathing. So you breathe in 
and you don't give yourself that pause at the top of the breath. So you go straight into your exhale and then you don't give yourself the pause at the bottom. You, you go straight into your inhale. So it's like a constant breathing and, and you alter your own state. It was pretty mental. Like we just did the little practice for like four or five breaths and I was like, whoa, it just activated something in me. I didn't feel woozy. I just felt like in a different, just an altered state of consciousness. And, and then we lay down. It was two sisters running the session and the way they explained it. So it was all set to music. So they had music going. They had drums going. They had like rattly things, all, you know, all the cool things. And like, I think they had, yeah, they had some crystal bowls going as well. And, and what they did then was they started at the bass chakra. So the music was very bass, you know, very heavy tribal music. And, and then gradually what they did was they moved up through the chakras. So if you think about it, by the time you get to your crown chakra, it's kind of light, plinky plonky soul music. So they took us on that journey and they called it a journey. And um, for an hour and a half, we were, we were in that, in that state. And it was very cool because I would feel myself coming out of it. So there was, you're lying down. We had, I put a t-shirt over my eyes. So you're kind of not seeing what else is going on around the room, but you can hear people, you know, having their breakthroughs, people crying, people wailing, people punching, not shit, but pushing, punching their, their, um, what do you call them? Their yoga bolsters. Yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty hectic. So I would find sometimes I would almost like surface. I would come back into the room, kind of see what was going on. And then using that breath, I could take myself back into that altered state of consciousness. And it was just a really, really deep meditation. I was I'm a bit apprehensive going into it because they kind of said, you know, you could have these breakthroughs and, you know, if there's things that you're repressing, it'll probably come up now. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I repressing? But um, for me, it was just a really peaceful experience. It was really, really, really beautiful. Um, and yeah, it made me want to explore more of that shamanic breath work when, when I do get back to Sydney. It was kind of like doing drugs without doing the drugs. <laughs> Is pretty cool, uh, and the other thing I did as well, um, I did a set. I've done a class with Tina Nance at Yoga Barn before, but this was yoga therapy, so it's just for women and it's all around hormonal balance, basically. So Tina talked about the top reasons for hormonal imbalance. Probably no surprises. You know, number one is is stress. Number two is um, just kind of toxins in our kind of diet. Um, oh God, what's it called? something estrogens. Yeah, basically there's endocrine adapt- endocrine disruptors that are in plastics and so on. Um, the third, God, I can't remember number two, of course, now, but number four was, you know, what we need to do as women sometimes to feel like we need to survive or thrive in a masculine world, you know, that go, 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 yang, yang, yang energy. Um, so what Tina did was she did a, a 90 minute yoga session, which was all about helping support the organs that suffer, um, or that need to be helped to get back in balance. And it was really, really calming. And I quite like, you know, doing a yoga class when I'm learning as I go as well. So yeah, I, re- I really, really love Tina's work. I, th- I think she's awesome. And, and then yesterday, so Thursday, I had my, my spa indulgent afternoon. So I booked into my spa, um, I got there and it was actually, it was funny because I had a, a chat with Naomi from Iku before I left and for the spa when I was here. And I said, I'm going to the spa. Do you know it? And she said, oh my God, it's beautiful. I was like, yes. Okay. Because I wanted to be like, we can do like a spa, a, a proper globetrotting spa experience. So I got there um, to, it's like a, a hotel resort thing. Uh, got to the lobby, was brought down in a golf buggy down to the spa, had to get an elevator down to the spa. It's, it's built into basically like 
the cliff face looking down into this ravine of river rapids. So all you can hear is this incredible, you know, birds, insect noise, and then these rushing rivers. So again, you know, there was such a theme, I think, to this, these last 10 days of that feminine energy, you know, just being around that negative ions. I don't know if you're familiar with the whole idea of rushing water or being around water releases negative ions, which are a very natural mood booster. So I'm taken to this beautiful room and and it was just, yeah, beautiful. Like so jaw-droppingly, Instagram-worthy, beautiful. I had a foot bath. Then I lay down on the bed and had a massage. Um, then I had a body scrub using this beautiful like cocoa body scrub. Had a shower, got into a bath, like this tin bath, just pretty much sitting on a balcony, in a balcony, drinking tea, eating little almond cookies, just looking into this 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 ravine it was just am i even doing this territory it was really really beautiful and and then after that had actually this was my favorite bit uh the therapist prepared these like bundles of rice with herbs like turmeric and ginger and all these great things and and then they were twisted up um, almost like a christmas pudding is <laughs> the best way to describe it you know twisted into these like linen fabric bundles and and then they were cooked in a rice cooker. So they'd been cooking the whole time during my treatment until that point. And then I lay down and she took them out like they were very, very hot. And then she used them almost like as a compress, like pushed them through my whole body with like a different a different bundle for each like limb, my shoulders. It was amazing, like so calming and just just a cool sensation, you know, having that really deep compression with these beautiful herbal juices and, and I kept them on me. So she said not to shower. So, um, I haven't actually showered since that yesterday afternoon. So, um, yeah, that, that was really, really beautiful. And um, see, so yeah, I highly recommend that. It was obviously a massive treat. It was expensive. Wait, I mean, God, half the price of what it would have been in Sydney, but, um, yeah, magical, like absolutely magical. So a, a lot of people replied to my, my stories going, hang on, where are you? And, and just on that, if, if you want my tips and tricks, uh, everything, I've saved everything down to my highlights reel. So I've created a, a Bali highlights on my Instagram. So I've just been tagging every day as I go in and saving them down there. So all of the things are on there. If, if you want to go find them, like Jimmy's details, all of the things. And the only thing I didn't actually do much of this time was yoga. Normally I do a lot of yoga, like, like at least one class, if not two classes a day. And just with yoga bar and like they're quite concentrated around morning time and also kind of dinner time, which is obviously when I'm, I've been with Wilder. So didn't do as much yoga. I would like to have done more, but you know, that's the trade off. I've got him here with me and, and he's enabling me to be here and do so much of this stuff. So, um, I, I, I can do yoga at home. I think it was cool. My, my priority was doing the healing. Um, and then shopping, I don't really shop that much at Ubud. Like I don't really vibe with the clothes in Ubud. It's very kind of linen, beige, yogi, you know, hardcore yogi. It's not really my vibe. Um, so I'm curious to see in Jimbaran if, if I like the clothes more there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting a, a few nice things to wear for my, my own retreat in October in Noosa. Um, and yeah, just have some nice things from Bali is always nice. So the big thing I stock up on here is actually things for my retreats and my own kind of soulful, spiritual ceremonies at home. So I get my beautiful temple incense. I get my ceremonial cacao from Ubud Raw. And yeah, all, all, all the nice things that, that I get here for you know, my at-home retreats and then, then when I go and host retreats as well. And and then just in terms of money. So I, I it's funny, I just says little every here, here and there on, on my Instagram stories, I've shared like, 
this is what I got and this is how much it was. And people are like, oh my God, I love this. <laughs> like so many hearts. So yeah, just to give you a bit of a guide in terms of prices. So when I get my takeaways delivered in the evening, it's normally about $10, including delivery. Um, the Gojek app has been amazing. Like for nappies, like I don't want to trek 10 minutes in the heat to go get nappies and haul them back with Wilder in tow. So I get the nappies delivered, including nappies and delivery at $6. Um, just if you're buying wipes over here, I'm kind of segueing into traveling with baby, but just make sure you get the unscented ones. I accidentally got the scented ones and mother of God, they're like car air freshener. Like I wouldn't even use them on my hands myself. They're disgusting. So yeah. Um, nappies, super cheap, bright wipes, super cheap. Um, if I go out for like a nice, and you know, the thing is where I'm eating, like the warongs are like the little kind of local Indonesian places, which are great, but for me, there's kind of only so much nasi goreng I want to eat. And I'm also not a mad fan, not for health. Like I'm not worried about getting sick. Like I don't really want to eat the meat there. Um, hello, the guard, they're going past. Um, I don't necessarily want to eat the meat. I just, I don't know. I just kind of like eating from nice organic places if possible. Cause I feel like the meat's probably had a happier life. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could eat super, super cheap, like in the co-working space that I worked from when I was doing my big work days here, they had um nasi lemak, which is just like a plate of kind of bits. So like rice and some vegetables and some tofu or tempeh or, or chicken um, with some sambal sauce. And that was like $3, you know, for a pretty big meal. So you could eat super, super cheap. But for me, if I go to like a yoga barn or a clear cafe and I order like a nice fancy juice or smoothie and a meal, like a salad or whatever, a curry, and I get a nice dessert, it's probably about $15 um, for that. So um nanny then um asti is six dollars per hour but you also need to pay for travel time because she lives in Denpasar, so it's an hour each way for her to get to us here we'll be a bit closer in jimboran which will be good for her um so you do pay travel time for nannies or babysitters as well so yeah so she's six dollars per hour she's done depends like she's done like a four-hour day yesterday she had quite a long day she was with wilder from because i left for work a quarter to eight and i got back at six so that was like what that was a 10-hour day yesterday that's the longest day um, so it's averaging out at about $50 a day to have Asti with, with Wilder. That's including the travel time. So yeah, you can see so much more accessible to have that help here than at home because God, at home for a nanny, it would be four times that, um, easy. So mm, more than four times that. I'm just doing my maths again in my head. So, so yeah. And then the babysitter, the more casual babysitter, like the restaurant ladies, it's that's seven, seven, seven dollars fifty an hour. And yeah, I've been tipping very, very generously. I think particularly for the women, because I think the guys pick up more tips because they're kind of driving. Like I tip the other uh, hotel actually has a shuttle. So they'll drop you into town in the shuttle. Um, so yeah, I just like to tip the ladies as well because I feel like that money goes straight back to families. Not saying the guys wouldn't, but you know, I'm all about female empowerment, <laughs> as you can imagine. Now, I wanted to do a little segment on traveling with baby with Lorraine because a lot of you had this question. Um, and to be honest, I struggle with this one because every baby is so different. You know, their ages are different. Their needs are different. Um, and, you know, how I traveled with Lexi, we traveled like we were on a plane. At, she was five and a half weeks old and we traveled for eight weeks with her. She was on <laughs> planes. She was on tubes in London. She was in black cabs. She was in Ubers. Uh, she was on a boat. She was on boats in Sorrento. Um, she even got a cable car. She was on the Ergo with Wade going like on a, a chair cable car up to the top of a, a, a hill in, um, on, on Capri Island. 
And Wilder hadn't really done any of that. So he's a lot more of a sheltered baby. We went into lockdown the day after he was born at home. So he basically didn't go anywhere for like four months. Um, he'd never been on a plane. Um, so I was nervous coming away with him. But I think I, I, I think two different buckets of nerves. nerves. Bucket one was I was actually anxious traveling myself overseas for the first time. Like it felt like a really, really big deal. You know, just even the level of paperwork required, which we hadn't needed to do before. And I was just nervous. You know, how was Bali going to be? How would I be? It sounds mental, but I was actually worried about my own mental health going away. It'd been such a big two and a half years of, you know, really being around people pretty much all the time. And then to get on a plane and go to a different country, I was nervous. Um, and then I look back to, and then the other nerves was just Wilder, you know, how would he cope given he had quite a sheltered existence compared to his big sister? So I was really nervous coming away. And I honestly, I look back at Lorraine in 2018 that traveled around Bali for eight weeks with it, with an eight month old going like, Oh my God, was she an absolute fecking lunatic? And I just had this kind of pull in me that I needed to find her again. You know, I needed to find that daring, brave, adventurous mama Lorraine again. And, and it was a big push for me to come and, and do that in Bali. So yeah, I was nervous. My biggest lessons. And again, I kind of want to make these kind of all encompassing for you, depending on, you know, whether you've got baby, baby babies or bigger kids or whatever. Um, the first big lesson that I've had, I've got three big lessons, which are kind of more catch all insights from traveling with with both Lexi and now with Wilder, is that when I'm fine, they're fine. You know, I think we place so much worry on, we project so much of our worry onto them. Like, will they sleep on the plane? And, you know, are they going to be comfortable? And what if they're afraid and their ears pop on the plane? Or what if they're freaked out with people that are a different color to them? And, you know, all this kind of shit. And, um, you know, if we're fine, they're fine. Like, they run off our energy. Um, I saw a brilliant kind of healer slash health practitioner here in Bali a few years ago. And, and she actually explained to me that our babies are part of our energy field until they're seven. Like our kids don't actually create their own energy field until seven years of age. So you can imagine, I feel like Wilder is, both are, but Wilder is especially tuned into my energy. You know, if, if for example, Wilder's in bed, he's fast asleep and Wade and I have an argument downstairs, like not a loud argument at all, but we kind of have like a, an, I was going to say an altercation, but we have a, a, a disagreement. And Wilder will wake up, you know, he he will often do that. Or if, you know, I'm stressed about work and he's not even in the room, he will kind of kick off. So when I'm fine, he's fine. So I think the biggest thing is when you're traveling, particularly with smaller babies, is when you can manage your own state well and, and you know, trust that everything's going to be okay. And I've got all my traveling affirmations. No, I'm safe. I'm loved. I'm protected. That's a big one for me. And, and I'm also quite an anxious flyer. Like I do not like turbulence. I have my visualization that I have to do. It's like a superstition every time before as the plane's taxiing, there's a whole ritual I have to go through. Um, but I find when I'm traveling with our kids, I'm so much more confident because I need to be for them. You know, they're going to run off my energy. So if I'm freaking the fuck out, <laughs> so are they going to be? And, and Wade flew on his own with Lexi last year. They flew up to Queensland to meet me when um, it was like our, our family baby moon before Wilder was born. They met me while I was on, midway on my tour and we went, had a four, four night trip away together in Queensland. And they had like a really rough flight. They were landing on Gold Coast Airport and he was like, yeah, it was bad. Um, and he just made a game of it. You know, he's like, let's play bouncy bouncy. And Lexi thought it was the most fun ever. Uh, I cannot say it would have been the same experience if I had been flying with her. But yeah, when you're fine, they're fine. That's the biggest thing. And it's also empowering, you know, manage yourself, they'll be fine. Um, the second insight that I've had as well is, is, and this is a really big one for me, is 
is give them the chance to rise to the occasion. Yeah, I felt like there's been a few times, particularly with Wilder, I've kind of sheltered him and said, no, I, I don't want to do that. It might be too much for him. It might be too intense. You know, hashtag lockdown baby. And every situation that I've put him in that I, he needs to rise to the occasion, he has more than met it. More than met it. And I wonder how much do we hold our kids back or ourselves? <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. And, and I really experienced that, you know, we're on this plane, jet star plane. He hadn't had his afternoon nap. He'd waited in line for like half an hour to check in. He'd been sitting in an airport. You know, everything's weird and he's cool. He's totally cool. And, and I remember because I, I, I feed him on takeoff and landing to help his little ears pop. Another tip. Um, and if you're not breastfeeding, um, bring a bottle. So what I used to do, even with Lexi until she was like two, and um, the last time I flew with her was just before she turned two, I would um, bring an empty baby bottle because she still liked a bottle. Um, and I would buy two cartons of coconut water at the airport, you know, when you're kind of through security and bring them on board. And then I'd pour one one carton of that coconut water and she would drink that in the bottle taking off. And then I'd keep the second one then for coming down. So I did that every time and it was it was great. So even if you're not feeding anymore, bring if it's a milk bottle or something that you know that they will really love to drink um, from a bottle. I find that's a good hack as well. Um, anyway, I'm getting into more practical stuff. So yeah, give them a chance to rise to the occasion. You know, where the plane starts taxiing, I've got my boobs ready to go. And, and you know, that kind of really loud noise when the engine's really firing up behind you and it's kind of pushing forward. And the plane's going and he just kind of looked at me like wide-eyed and went like, whoa, what's going on? And I said, it's cool, babe. We're good. We're safe. We're loved to protected. And he was cool. Like, totally cool. Did not once react to any more noise, any more movement, anything else on the plane. He was amazing. So yeah, if, if you're debating traveling with your baby, just give them the chance to rise to the occasion. And the other big insight I've had as well is that they need excitement. They need adrenaline. They need, need new surroundings just as much as we do. You know, so much of their lives are wallpaper. Their lives are so small compared to ours. If we think about our work or we go to the gym or we go and do things and and Wilder has just thrived. Um, one of my Insta followers just replied to one of my stories today and she said, I feel like he's just grown up on this trip. You know, he just looks like a little boy now and I feel like he has. He's really thrived on the, on the adventure and the excitement and the novelty of it all as well. So they need it too. And, and I, I'm really excited for Lexi now to have that when she arrives tonight as well. Just the, the new energy, the not having the wallpaper of everyday life. You know, we need it. They need it as well. And they need us in that space. You know, they need to see us thriving and excited and, and, and challenged with, with new surroundings as well, as well, I believe. So yeah, Wilder has loved it. He's in love with Asti. She's his favorite thing. And, and the Balinese are just beautiful with babies. You know, they just, the child honestly won't want to come home. Everywhere he goes, he's got four or five women plucking over him. The men are beautiful. Like even like the young guys who work in the hotel, like the 15, 16 year old boys, like they always say hello to him and talk to them and say, hello, baby. So yeah, it's, it's really spread. Um, okay. In terms of practical tips, um, first of all, it's just accepting the germs, like especially on the plane, like mother of God. I, I took him to the toilet once to change his nappy and, and I, I'd, I'd never done this before. I managed to do a wee with him. He wasn't in the yoga. I was like holding him under one arm. I managed to do a wee as well, but he's touching the toilet roll. He's touching the inside handle of the toilet door. You know, my sister is a germaphobe. She would have an absolute heart attack, but it's just accepting, you know, it's just a few hours. They'll deal. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just the germs. Um, yeah, it's just, just accepting that, you know, it's not going to be 100% hygienic and, and that's cool. Um, 
the plane, uh, just some tips with the plane. I mean, I've already touched on a couple of them. Um, I got a re, I think it's really good to have a good plane bag, like a plane bag and a P-L-A-N-E that stands on its own that you can have underneath your seat, you know, not something that's going to flop over and you're going to have to rummage through like a duffel bag or something, um, or a tote bag. So what I actually got, um, I'll share it on my Instagram stories and my highlights as well. I got a bag. It's called a stork sack and it's like a cabin bag. So it's like a nappy bag, but for flying, like super uncool, but it's awesome, particularly because I was flying on my own. So it's a nice bag. So you can, it's got like a strap so you can wear it on your shoulder, but it's also got like the pulley out um, handles. So it's got wheels so you can pull it behind you as well. And and then it's also got lots of external pockets like to shove your passport or water bottle or whatever and the other super cool thing it's awesome um is on the inside it's got like compartments so like i had like a compartment for his food and a compartment for nappies and wipes and a compartment for like all my little kind of sprays and lavender oils and all the crap that i need on a plane um and it's got inside pockets as well but the cool thing is those compartments you pull it out and then it's got like a little Velcro strip on the end of it. And you can, um, it's like, you know, those little things that sit in a wardrobe, like little shelving units. So it hangs in the wardrobe. So it's so cool because I've used that as his little wardrobe here. So I've hung all my stuff and put it onto the shelves. But like baby clothes are kind of hard to organize in a hotel wardrobe or else I'll just leave them in the suitcase. So yeah, he's got his own little hanging wardrobe, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, super impressed with that bag. It's the Stork sack. I got it through the Iconic. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, have a good bag on the plane that you can just kind of dip in and out of that's going to hold all your crap. And and the other thing that I find really handy as well is to have a grab bag. Like, oh, bless her. I saw this woman flying with her six-month-old. I felt like such a, a veteran. And, you know, she's going into the toilet with the baby with like the full-on nappy bag. And, you know, I'm like, where would that even fit? Just trying to change the baby. I was like, oh, Lord. So what I actually generally have is I've got a little Ziploc bag with two nappies, some wipes and like a clean onesie. And just that's that's my grab bag. Like just take that into the bathroom and, and do that. I actually used to do it with Lexi. I used to have um like a disposable change mat. I used to buy a box. I didn't bother this time. I just wiped it down with a, a, wet, a wet wipe, the, the change table in the toilet. But um yeah, just having that grab bag, I find really, really handy as well. Um, also having snacks. Um not even because he was hungry, but just to calm him down. He was so, he's such an extrovert baby. It's hilarious. He was just wired on the plane. He made best friends with the lady behind us. So he's just like jumping around the place like crazy with her playing peekaboo. And he just couldn't, he couldn't drop. So I had, um, I got these Sears organic rice cakes. So they're just like basically rice and water. Um, so I started feeding him little bits of that and that just gave him something to concentrate and, and, and to drop in. So just having some snacks like that are really, really handy. Um, I'm such a twit. I just wasn't thinking. I had so much baby food, like the backup baby food in my suitcase. Didn't have anything with me, like a pouch. I managed to find like a, a baby pouch, like oatmeal thing at the pharmacy. But um, yeah, those little pouches are really handy. Just about getting on the plane, you can bring water, drinks, milk, baby food. They're, the airlines and the security are really good. So I brought like my full water bottle and Wilder's water bottle and, and baby um, baby snacks on the plane. So the guy was just like, I was like, shit, I forgot to drink my water. And he's like, it's for the baby, isn't it? And just gave me a wink. And I was like, yes, it's for the baby. So yeah. And even like Bali airport, any airport we've ever gone through with babies. Um, yeah, they're fine for you bringing on water and food. Like once it's for the baby, they're really cool. So that, that's really good. Um, and then the other thing just for Bali is, um, there's a great business here. I've shared it in my highlights as well on, on Insta. It's called Zero Waste Bali. I got it when I was here with Lexi. It's so handy. So it's basically um, beautifully prepared homemade baby food. So like, you know, organic pastured eggs, like the kind of standard of food that I would prepare for him at home. 
um, and it's all prepared. They store it in like little glass jars and it gets delivered to your hotel frozen. So I did a big order. I think I paid about $100 um, to get lots of food. I've still got some left. Like I think it'll get us through the next week as well. So two and a half weeks worth of food. Um, it gets delivered to your hotel um, and it's in glass jars, which they'll then come and pick up from your hotel as well. So that's a godsend because I, I worry about meals, particularly when I'm here for kind of an extended period. Um, I also brought lots of kind of Woolies organic pouches as well. So they've been good backup. But um, yeah, Zero Waste Bali is, is your is your place if, if you're coming here with a baby. And, and then just the other thing, particularly for Bali, I mean, for anything airport like your Ergo, your, your, your baby carrier is life um you need to take the baby out of it going through security which is annoying um but the airport securities also have like these little kind of soft mattresses like baby change mats that they'll give you to put your baby back in so you can lie the baby down put your ergo back on whack your baby in and off you go and um, i also just got a really cheapy um travel like a, tr- a stroller that we could fold up that's been handy as well and actually i'm flying back to sydney with both kids on my own i think that will be handy if lexi's tired because we're flying at night she can hop in the stroller if and w- wilder can be in the um in the carrier and don't even try pushing a pram around bali like holy god like the the, the paths drop away at a moment's notice there's mopeds and bikes and cars parked in the middle of the footpath yeah, I wouldn't even try. I've seen people with, I saw someone at a double pram once walking around Ubud streets. I was like, oh, you poor bastards. That looks awful. So yeah, baby carrier all the way. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up because I need to go pack and, and do our hotel transfer. Baby's still asleep happily. Um, so just in closing, I hope this has been helpful. And, and I hope, um, hopefully it's inspired you to, to maybe get out there and, and do some, some travel yourself, whether it's overseas or interstate or, or whatever you want to do. And, and I've really noticed this amongst my community and in myself and with my friends, just this kind of sense of insular, this insulation that I feel like we've all had since COVID, you know, this afraid to go out and do things or not afraid, but just apprehensive to go out and do things. And, um, I think it just made us think a lot smaller about, about the world and what we can do. And I would just really encourage you to tune back in into yourself and that, and that law of travel and give yourself permission to strike out and, and shake it off, you know, literally Tay Tay style, shake off the, the COVID. Um, what am I saying? That COVID, ah, oh, what am I saying? That closed in this, you know, like to, to allow in more expansion and, and get, get your ass on a plane if you're in a position to do so and, and do some travel. And Bali, as I've already mentioned a few times, would love your support. It's getting busier here. And, and I know it, yeah, it would mean the world to people in Bali for you to, to kind of come over here and share your abundance over here with them. Um, as we've been trying to do as much as possible. Okay. So in wrapping up, if, if you are a tired entrepreneur <laughs> or business owner, and and you would love to experience what, what it would feel like to be held by me on a retreat. The Bold Darling Retreat is happening in October from the 17th to the 21st of um, of October. Sorry. And so it's a four night, five day experience with myself and Claire. I'll have the, the Ubud ceremonial cacao, the beautiful incense. I'll recreate as much of Bali as I can over over those five days so yeah if you'd like to know more about that jump to the link in my show notes it opened to my bold darling crew last week and just yesterday yesterday evening to everyone else um a third of spots are gone already which is very very exciting so yeah so jump in 
And of course, hit me up on Insta DM if you've got any questions about the retreat at all. So I hope this has been an inspiring and look behind the scenes of my Bali trip. I hope there's been some nuggets in there that you can apply in your own life, whether it's travel or not. And I'm off now to to go and, and, and pack up our room and and embark on this next phase of our Bali trip, which is seeing seeing our family all together again. And Wade just messaged me while I've been recording to say they're on their way to the airport. Yay! So sending you much love. Thank you as always for for tuning in and I'll chat to you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for being part of this week's episode. It was remarkable to have you. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, ideas and suggestions for future topics for the podcast. So please get in touch on Instagram. My handle is at Lorraine Remarks and through my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au. If you're enjoying what I'm putting out here, please do rate, review or subscribe to the podcast so more people can find out about it and we can build this special community or even better, do all three. Chat to you next week.